Big dog. What up, dog? Everybody else got on all black except me. I'm missing something. Good to see y'all. Good to see you. You know what though? It's good you got on different colors today though, man. You mixing it up. For sure. Because I am the all black. You all black king. Ooh. Hey Fred, what's that saying? Can't have money. About nothing else. That paddock. I appreciate it. That's that, that's that's what I'm talking it. about. You see, Freddie T, that that's so high end for me. I ain't even know what it was. Oh, that's the big dog. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I mean, when you earn the money though, you're supposed to take care of yourself. Hold up. Limitless. Biggest to me, guy pinning it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a stomach cap, pinning it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. We've done it once. People don't know that. We've yep. done it one time, but we feel like we didn't, we didn't do it in the right way to do you the justice that you deserve. We got Chan here, Freddie T. I'm RC. Welcome to the pivot. A lot of people know Max Crosby's story, know how huge of a pivot that he's had to make in life, the adversities he's come through. And I think that story has been told to our partners at Happy Dads. We appreciate y'all to all the subscribers. I don't want to drag through that story necessarily. I am a big fan of October Babies. Mm -hmm. I was born on um, October 12th, 1979. So there real close yeah. um, to a date that's going to be special to you for the rest of your life. Uh, Ella Rose. Yeah. Uh, was born on October 13th, 2022. I've gotten pictures of you just texting, checking on you throughout the season. It's just mm -hmm. you being in a happy place no matter what was going on because you had that purpose now of being a father. What have these months with your baby meant to you? Honestly, it's been it's been incredible. You know, obviously during the season, there's a lot going on. And uh, it's just like another part of the journey, you know, having Having a child, like the bye week was lined up perfectly, you know, luckily. But just being able to, you know, have to come home. I'm gone for 14 hours a day of football and then I got to be a dad. And just dealing with all that and learning how to, you know, take care of my family, you know, be there, you know, for my daughter, doing a little heavy lifting, you know, every day. And uh, I think that's just, you know, a testament to, to Rachel being there, taking care of her. Um, and just us coming together closer because it's not easy, you know, you yeah. know how it is. It's it's an everyday, you know, everyday process. So, yeah, you know, that was a, a big challenge, but it's been it's been incredible. You know, I've been there every day with their husbands. If you ever need any notes, we all are uh, girl dads. Yeah. But this guy, we out here grinding, right? We working our butts off. <laughs> this guy, he leaves. He goes to his daddy daughter dance right and he comes back to chop it up with you. So personal note. This is the, the, the girl dad goat right here. So. <laughs> the sacrifice, sacrifice it takes for the babies. Yeah. Man, you you wild. That's why I think they're trying to keep us apart because I'm I'm a little wild, a little bit too, Max. But it's funny that Fred brings up the, the girl dad thing because my daughter, and I'm sure your daughter, like they love you to death. Oh, yeah. I do not want my daughter to marry a guy like me. No. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Have you thought about that? Because my daughter, she just turned 10. Have you thought about that? Like, she's going to love me to death, know me, but I don't yeah. want her to marry me. No. I, yeah, see, at the end of the day, like, that's something I always thought about. You know, what is it going to be like when my daughter brings somebody to the house? She's only four months, so I haven't really <laughs> yeah. thought about, you know, I haven't gotten that far. But, yeah, you know, I feel like God works in mysterious ways. And 
I feel like guys like us, you know, we have we have daughters for a reason. It changes our perspective. So that's kind of the way I looked at it. Because when I found out Rachel was pregnant, I was like, I'm having a boy. Like I was trying to manifest that I'm doing it. And Rachel was like, it's a girl. And I kind of like deep down, I kind of like knew it was going to be like that. So I feel like things work out for a reason. And, you know, it's definitely opened my eyes a lot for sure. Hey, Max, you said before that you put Rachel through hell. How much in your journey, how much credit do you give her for now that she's the mom, love of your life. How much credit do you give her for the, your success? A ton. I was just having this conversation a couple of days ago. You know, we obviously we've had a million ups and downs and you know, I went through it all. She went through my addiction. She was there through everything. You know, it's funny. I give her a ton of credit because when I first met her, like I was wild as hell in college, just partying and doing my thing. And um, she helped changed my direction of my, you know, career and my future. You know, she helped me. She was cooking me meals and bringing them to me in the morning so I could have meal prep and shit like that when I I didn't even have the money to make, you know, make mm -hmm. food. So she was just trying to help me. And then, you know, she was two years older. So once she graduated, I was still at Eastern and she decided, you know, she made the sacrifice for me to come, stay with me and help me out. And um, she was working full time and basically, you know, helping pay bills and I didn't have, you know, I didn't have shit. So we were sleeping on a damn mattress on the floor. Like that's when we first met. So yeah, I, we, we've been through it all together and uh, I appreciate, you know, everything she brings to the table. She's, she's a keeper for sure. She has a quote that she felt like she was screaming down a dark hallway with you mm -hmm. and people were just telling her to deal with it. Yeah. And I'm sure that has to be a very difficult place to be in, but you speaking about where you guys started and now you're you're drafted and you runner up to the rookie of the year. Mm -hmm. Everything from the outside, the way you play the game, uh, the intensity in which you approach it, the discipline you have when it comes to doing your job on the field, it makes people think, well, this young man has everything in order. Mm -hmm. You kind of alluded to what it's like to have a 14 hour work day and then come home and be a father. Yeah. Where you were burning the candles at different ends in your rookie season. How are you able to keep everything together, bro, living like that at night and then putting out that sort of output on the field? Yeah, you know, uh, honestly, I don't know how the hell I did it. <laughs> to yeah, be like, honest, looking back now, like, I have such a wild, crazy routine. And I'm, you know, from even a teammate's perspective and coaches, they're like, go home. Like, I'm already training right now. I'm already two weeks into training. So like, I'm so obsessed with that, like just being the best player I can be and perfecting what I do. So that that shit isn't that shit isn't hard to me because I know what hard is. Like hard is waking up, staying out all night, hung the fuck over, and struggling to get out of bed, and then trying to operate on a daily basis in a in a football building. And you know what I mean? It's just like it was impossible. Like I was literally just running on fumes all the time. So right. now, like my routine is so tightly wound that. It's just, I, I don't know any other way. And, uh, you know, looking back, like, I really, I don't know how I got through it, but I did, I found a way, I was still able to produce, but deep down I knew, like, I wasn't the best I could be and I knew it wasn't gonna last. So it just, it got to a point where it was like, all right, I'm either gonna keep doing this shit and be, you know, a, a cool story and, you know, Max made it from Eastern or I can go and be the best of what I do in the world. And that's what I feel like I'm doing right now and I still got work to do, but 
um, that's my goal. You know, I want to be the best um, in, in the world. And that's that's why I push myself the way I do. I, I get opportunity to watch every game. And, you know, I just shoot you a text. Even mm -hmm. when things weren't going great for the team this year, yeah. I was like, dog, you're doing your thing. Yeah. He was like, no, nah, I got more. I got more. Yeah. And speaking of living the life you were, and you saying coming to work and being hungover and doing those different things, and now speaking or talking about working out already or what your, your day is like, people telling you, to go home, people with addictive personalities, like I kind of have a personality like that too, like I get fixated mm -hmm. on things and I have to replace certain habits with others if I want to come out of those old habits. Yeah. Have you, has your focus on football heightened since working through your addiction? Yeah, it's gone to a whole different level. Like when I was, like I've never loved football as much as I do now, just cause the attention to detail that I have now, all my attention, like you said, it's all on one thing. Like this window in the league is not that long. If you play 15 years, it's still, that's not a long time yeah. in the grand scheme of things. So yeah, like after my second year, once I got shit clean and I started like seeing the bigger picture, it gave me the opportunity to just, all right, I'm gonna give everything I got into this and we'll see where it takes me. And literally just in two years, I went from, you know, a middle of the road DN to an all pro. So I feel like I'm just getting started, so. That's the thrill for me now. It's not going out to the club until 3 a.m. It's now, it's like, how good can I possibly be? Because nobody would ever thought what I did, you know, what I've done so far just yeah. in four years. And the crazy thing is like, I'm deep down, I know I got so much more to give. And uh, that's, that's my, you know, my purpose, my challenge every day. And man, as the story reads, it was one night that changed it. You woke up in the morning, looking in the mirror and you just knew a change had to happen. Mm -hmm. How crazy was that night? Because I had, you know, I was partying and all. I probably had alcohol problem that I didn't address at the time. <laughs> yeah. But even in college, man, I'm getting, I got locked up yeah. twice. Got arrested four times. Yeah. Waking up, you know what I'm saying? Throwing up, doing, you know, doing ladders up, up, uh, up UF Stadium. Because I'm, yeah. I'm drunk. I'm throwing up Hennessy. Like, yeah. And none of that ever clicked to me. It no, never clicked to me. I'm sure you had some long days. Why did that morning click to you? Um, honestly, it was like an accumulation of, like, four or five days like I, I it's funny like I talk, I called my agent I called Rachel and this was like two weeks before and I called him I'm like listen I need to get help like I need I don't know what I got to do but like y'all gotta help me out like this shit ain't this shit ain't working I talked to them I was sober for like 10 days just like strong arming it basically and I, and I was just in Vegas alone basically and I was kind of just waiting for this guy he's a one of the best people I know Scotty he was gonna come like on Tuesday and come see me. Like he's basically does interventions, things like that. And he was gonna come talk to me. And I didn't know if I was, he was just gonna take me straight to rehab. I didn't know what it was gonna be. He was coming on Tuesday and it was a Saturday and I was just gonna chill in the house, just, you know, whatever. And then the UFC, there was a UFC fight that night. And I was like, I got tickets front row. Like I, I was contemplating back and forth, but I kind of knew deep down, like I probably shouldn't go. And it was, I was, like I said, I was 10 days sober. I went to the UFC fight, had one drink, and then it turned to like four or five days straight until Scotty got there on Tuesday. So he basically kidnapped my ass and I was like fucked up. And I was out all weekend in Vegas doing crazy shit, just all over the place. So yeah, I woke up that morning, like my body, like physically, I was like just fucking dehydrated, felt terrible, like the worst of the worst. Like I felt like I was dying. So like it got that bad. And it's just scary. Like that shit is crazy. I never felt like that before. I looked in the mirror and like didn't even fucking recognize myself. 
So that was that was where it got to a point of like, what am I doing? Like this this shit is not gonna last. And yeah, it just kind of clicked for me at that moment. March uh, 11, 2020, yeah. you check in the rehab. Yeah. Fast forward two years later, you sign a, a stupid ass. <laughs> the Raiders couldn't give you six more million to make it a hundred, bro. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's that crazy, was a whole right? concept. Talk to somebody. Yeah, or at least, maybe even um, four more to make to match your number. Yeah. But uh yeah, yeah. you 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 sign a deal, a multi multi-year extension two years after you check yourself in rehab on yeah. the exact same date. Yeah. You know, and we've seen guys get all this money, and some guys can fall into complacency, you know, and just kind of, sure. I'm, I'm good, I'm set for life. How do you stay motivated and not slip back along that path that you just spoke about, you know, those times in Vegas? Like I said, God works in mysterious ways. Like I didn't plan, like we didn't plan it to be, you know, I'm gonna sign my contract on the day I got sober. It just happened to be, we were in negotiations for about a week straight. Mm -hmm. And the night before I get a call from my agent, we got it, boom, this is, we're at a good place. He broke it down to me, I'm like, let's do it. Like, I'm, I'm with it. So it just happened to be the next day was the day I got sober. So I didn't, like publicly, I didn't go out and say, yo, I'm signing this deal. Like I literally just posted my sobriety day. So that was like a big deal. And then like two hours later, I ended up signing and we, they announced it and everything. But you know, the thing about the complacency part, like I said, like that's another challenge for me. And I feel like from the outside world, like, everybody expects the guy that gets paid, like, okay, now he's gonna just chill. And I feel like that's a common theme in, in professional sports. Guys get their bag and they, they chill out. And for me, it's like, I don't play for the money. Like the money is amazing. I love it. I'm set, my kids are set. She can go whatever school she wants to. That, all that's amazing. But at the end of the day, I love football. Like I, there's nothing more that, you know, anything on earth besides my daughter that, you know, I love more than football. Um, I give, this game has literally given me everything. Um, and I and I truly like, I'm a Rod Marinelli product. So mm -hmm. like, I truly appreciate the shit, you know, from the 1960s, like he, I have books that he gives me from the 50s and 60s and makes me read the shit just to appreciate what football is all about. Cause at the end of the day, like if you put in all the work and you do all the shit right, I feel like the football guys reward you. It's just like anything else. If you're a LeBron James, there's a reason why he just broke the record because he's been putting in the work when nobody's looking. And like, that's what it's all about for me is, is giving the respect to the game because that shit comes back twofold. And I truly believe in that. So yeah, going into last season, like that was a challenge in my head. I'm like, I know from the outside world, they don't think I'm gonna go out and go crazier than I already did. Like people thought I hit my, you know, my peak when I had a hundred pressures and all this shit, but I'm like, I know I can be better. Right. And so this season, that's what it was all about for me. I went out and, and did my thing and like from an individual perspective, mm -hmm. but like it's tough on top of it when we're losing. So it's like, you don't get all the flowers, but deep down, like I'm shit, Alexis who works with me every day. She, she walked into the apartment, I'm watching my game film this morning, just like, that's how much I, I put into it. Like I truly, like I, I put everything into it and I wanna be the best. And like, at the end of the day, if I don't become it, you know, become the number one guy, under, like undisputed, I know I'm gonna do, you know, everything I, I do to, to get to that point. So yeah, just about paying respect to the game. You know, and listening to you, obviously talking about your, your daughter, your daughter, also the, the work you put into to the game and the love you have for it. Mm -hmm. the, the question many athletes get is, what's your why? Yeah. And your story to me is so much bigger than the why to play football. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Channing mentioned the night and you explained how you got to the point where it was okay. You got kidnapped by Scotty and, and it was time on, on March 11th, 2020 to make it right. But at that point you had football, which you obviously love. You'd been with Rachel. Mm-hmm. What was the, the final why that said, I have to get myself together in order to accomplish all of these other things that I want? You know, for me, like, you know, I'm not a super religious guy or anything like that, but I truly believe, you know, there's something out there bigger than me. You know, I, I believe in a higher power. I believe that things happen for a reason. And uh, that's kind of what opened my eyes. Like, I feel like everybody's put in certain positions and it's like a test. That, you know, every single day is a test. There's going to be certain shit that comes at you and you can react however you want to react. And, um, you know, for me, I feel like my purpose is, like you said, not only to play football, but be an example for kids that are going through the same shit I went through. And um, that's something I, I really had to look myself in the mirror and be like, listen, this is not just about me. Like, there's kids, like, I don't even realize it sometimes. Like, I'm a homebody. I'm in the house all the time. But, like, just going out, like, this past weekend, like, I couldn't even walk to a casino because 100 kids are running up and wanting, you know, to sign their jerseys and shit like that. Yeah. And they're telling me, you know, there's grown ass men that come up to me 50 years old. They're like, listen, man, I've, I literally got sober because of you. You have no idea how much you mean yeah. to me. Like, that's the shit I, that, that's just bigger than football for me. So, yeah, the, my purpose is, you know, I don't, I don't even think I'm close to, you know, where I'm going to be as just a, you know, as a man and an individual. And I don't know how big it can go. Um, but every single day, I'm going to just keep making deposits and, and uh, keep building what I'm doing because I know it's helping people out there. I know my story has touched, you know, thousands of people. And uh, I just want to keep doing that and, and set the example, not only as a player, but as a, you know, as just a, as an individual and somebody who overcame a lot of shit. Football was a, was a big piece of the change, a big cog in the change. I would say it also enables people because I would say to my point, getting arrested, but then when I go sit up with the, you know, the chief police of Gainesville and the head coach and the AD at Florida, mm-hmm. they're talking about football still. Yeah. Hey, he suspended two games. I need him week two against Tennessee. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching this go on. Yeah. And I'm like, Tennessee game is bigger than disciplining me for what I just did. Mm-hmm. And then I would look at it and say, hey, you know, I get in trouble, get arrested, but I'm still an All-American. I'm still all SEC. Yeah. You know, I, I can't be that, I can't be that bad off how successful I am off the field. Yeah. Have you ever, did you ever think that way when you were going through a problem? Like, I can't, I can't be an alcoholic. Yeah. I'm balling. <laughs> no, it's facts. Like, and that's the, I feel like just as a younger guy, like I was 19 years old, like I, I thought I had the whole world figured out and I thought, you know, I was untouchable, but I feel like that just, you know, at that age, like when you're having all that success, then you have, you know, friends and family be like, oh, no, you're good, blah, blah, you're yeah. doing great. I'm like, oh, all right, I'm good. <laughs> but deep down, I know I'm fucked up. Like, that's, like, the hardest part is because you're trying to, like, balance that and just try to put on a, an act, basically, thinking you're fine. But, like, deep down, I think everyone knows, you know, what's going on with you. Why, you know, why is my mood bad on this day? Like, you just know everybody's got deep down issues and you got to deal with it, you know, how you got to deal with it. But I feel like that's just a part of, you know, maturing is just, realizing, fuck everybody else, at the, you know, respectfully, fuck everybody else. You got to really look out for yourself at the end of the day and take care of yourself, you know, before anything, because I can't have a great relationship with my daughter if I'm fucked up and in my feelings and hiding shit. I can't have a great relationship with Rachel if I'm 
fucking around and being a dickhead, like it's it all ties together. So, you know, for me, I feel like just that's that's just the biggest part of, you know, maturation is just looking at yourself in the mirror and realizing like, okay, I definitely, you know, I got issues. I got to address them and, you know, just learn from it. Hey, Max, you spoke about uh, balancing acts and dealing with issues. And I also re recall you saying that your uh, addiction was caused by social anxiety. You know, and then you speak about the kids running up on you, the fans running up on you, mm -hmm. which can bring social anxiety to the forefront. How are you managing that these days? Honestly, it's, it's funny because it's like as a kid, like my brother was the, was the, the star. Every, you know, my brother was a tall, skinny, handsome dude, got every girl. I was a middle child, red hair, <laughs> chubby, didn't play. You know, I, nobody fucked with me. So I'm like, <laughs> fuck that. I was mad at my brother, you know what I mean? For no reason, because he was the man. And so like... That's like a part of it, like how I started drinking was just trying to fit in and, and it just made me more confident. So it was like that liquid courage everyone mm -hmm. talks about, like that's kind of how it started for me. So nowadays, like I'm so, I'm about to be three years sober next month. And like you said, walking through a casino, I have all these kids coming up and shit like that. It's like in my head, you know, the, my ego, like deep down, I, it's like the coolest thing ever. But at the same time, like, I feel like I don't deserve it. Like that's mm. a part of my like growth as a person is just like understanding like I earned a lot of the shit I do. I I work endlessly, you know, for everything I have and I'm the first one to give, you know, take care of people and give out and like sometimes I feel like I don't give myself enough credit. And Rachel gets mad at me all the time. She's like because I told her about the situation like it was crazy going to Vegas and seeing all these people and how they reacted to me nowadays. It's like I don't even realize like you know, where I'm, I've gone and taken myself as an as a individual. I just look at myself as Max from Eastern. I walk into a gas station with a chain on my neck and not even think about it, right. and which is stupid, you know, but sometimes it's like, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, like, I'm just a normal person. Like, I'm, I've never changed. You know, I've, I feel like just being genuine, you know, is, is helpful, but just like growing and seeing like how, you know, how big things are, you know, have gotten um, recently, it's like, you know, I have to really take a you know step back, but it, it's not like a social thing. It's not like I'm nervous when people are running up. Like it's the coolest thing in the world because, you know, for me, like I was that same exact kid. Like if mm -hmm. I would have seen freaking like I, growing up in Michigan, if I was seen Calvin Johnson or you know Dominican Sue or something, I would have lost my mind. So right. like every time I see a fan or something like that, I'm always signing. I'm always the last guy signing stuff because I know how much that you know that fan's gonna appreciate it. So. Yeah, it's been a lot, you know, it's been a lot of balance, but at the end of the day, like, I'm always in the crib. Like, I'm a, I'm a homebody. I got three crazy-ass pit bulls. I got a daughter. I got, you know, a fiancé. So, like, I like being in the house and just having my family and my closest people, you know, around me. And I just, you know, try to keep it simple. You know, our world is different. The, the thing that's beautiful about locker rooms is that it brings all these different people together. And mm -hmm. if you actually ever have conversations that aren't about football, you realize like we all got stuff. Hell yeah. And sure. everybody's stuff may not be as as deep or as as dangerous or as dark as the others, but we're all we're mm -hmm. all dealing with things. And the thing that brings us together is that we're trying to win football games. Yeah. Right? Like you take your shit, you check it, you're gonna take yours and check it, and we're gonna try to go out and win. Yeah. And you mentioned your individual success this year, but also last year. Last year was the year that put you on the map, that that made everyone look at you and understand the Pro Bowl caliber play, the all-pro caliber play. And you showed that again this year at, at a heightened level. Mm -hmm. But you didn't have the success. When we spoke to you the first time, it was, okay, 
uh, Coach Basaccia got us to this point. We were 10 and seven. We were a, a touchdown away from advancing yeah. to the divisional rounds. And now we got Josh McDaniels and now we got Devontae and we have Derek Carr. The year doesn't go as planned, but yeah. you're balling. How did you deal with that as a leader? Because ultimately when you do get your money, when you are getting that individual success, the way that it's seen, the way that people get gold jackets, the way that people continue to get publicized is because they're playing in meaningful games. Yeah. So how was that for you dealing with the way the season went? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Coach Marinelli hit it right on the head before the year. And he's like Yoda. Like, anything he says, it happens. And I believe it. Like, for the year, he called me, and we talk every day, literally. And he's like, this is going to be the hardest year of your career. I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't understand what he was talking about. Looking back, you know, it was 100% the hardest year of my life. And I didn't understand what, you know, what that was going to look like. And just when it comes down, just from a football standpoint, all the things that were going on, the change, you know, having success, but also trying to be a leader when you're blowing leads every other week. It's like, it really tests you, but it's also like it opens your eyes to why you do this shit. Because all the money in the world, all this, you know, individual fame, all that shit, that's cool. But it made me realize why I do this shit and why I love it. There's nothing more that bothered me than losing the, the every single game. Like, we're 6-11, and 11, we got Devontae, the leading rusher in the league, we got Chandler. Like, from the outside, we were supposed to be Super Bowl contenders. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're in that and you're constantly losing and everyone's just shitting on us 24-7, right. it makes you realize why you play this game and why you do it. And like, and even if it's from a negative perspective, like I realize that the money and all that's cool, but I love this shit. I truly care about it. That shit, I would be going home like fucking sick. I wouldn't even talk. I would just go in my, go in my little <laughs> theater and I would just watch the film and I'll be mad as fuck and like just going through a million things in my head. And it's, that's the tough part. It's like the NFL, every single game you have to earn. Like yep. it's not easy. And that's what it makes you appreciate it. Like last year, we won every single close game. Mm -hmm. This year, we lost every single close game. So, um, yeah, you know, it was a tough year. You know, there's so many ups and downs, so much change, so much chaos. But, you know, that's just a part of the league. You can either fold and let that affect you or you can just show up and, and be the same guy. And that's kind of as a leader, like that was – you know, I feel like I took another big step because we had guys injured all the time. We had dudes off the practice squad starting, you know, the yeah. two days later. Um, and it just, you know, it, it was a big challenge. And you know, I feel like it'll, you know, it'll definitely pay off. And I'll look back and be like, yeah, that season happened for a reason. A big question I have as, as a defensive player, the, the one thing that I hated the most, and I always felt this way, that if they gave us a lead, we got to keep the lead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you give me enough points. Mm -hmm. And if, if at any point a team is trailing and it's not about turnovers and we aren't giving up field position in, in special teams, like, we got to do what we have to do. Yeah. You know, y'all get Baker Mayfield on two or three days, yeah. you know, being in the building for the Los Angeles Rams. And y'all are up in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, he drives and he, he makes some, some big throws down the field. It ends with a, a go ball to the left side of the football field. And as a leader on the defense and the team, because that's what you are, that had to be such a low point in a season of lows. Yeah. Take me to the locker room after that game finishes. Yeah, honestly, I think that was 
the lowest point of the season because we finally were starting to figure it out. We went to Seattle. We got that huge win. We won, I think, three in a row, and we're like, all right, people start talking about us again, like, okay, this is what the Raiders are supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. So we go to that game. We defensively, we're whooping their ass all game. And we just kept letting them hang around, hang around, hang around. And then all of a sudden, like, there was no thought in my head that we're going to lose this game. I'm like, there's no fucking chance. And we go on the last drive. We get us, like, me and Chandler split a sack on, like, yeah. the second, second play of that last drive. Then we get a 15-yard penalty. penalty on some just stupid shit. And then, you know, it's just like, can't get out of our own way. And like, as a leader and as a, like you said, like being on that defense, that's the shit that I take personal because I'm supposed to be the leader of the defense. That shit falls on me at the end of the day. And I can look at it and be hard on myself, but like, that's the tough part about it. Like, I, I you know, <laughs> you don't know. Like, I can make five plays, but they, the sixth play, they still go over your head and they, you know, they score. So that's the tough thing. It makes you think a lot, you know, and think, what can I do more? And there's always more I can do. It's just, you know, we need, I just think from a, you know, as a defensive standpoint, we need dogs. Uh, we need a bunch of dogs. It can't just be, you know, two or three. It's got to mm -hmm. be a whole unit that's on the same page. And, like, that's, for me, like, that's something I take super serious. Like, going into this offseason, I can't wait till April so I can get, you know, whoever we're going to get. And this this is what the standard's gonna be. Um, and I can't wait to, you know, lead that and, and set the example. But, you know, to your point, like that Rams game was that shit I didn't even I couldn't even believe it. Like that flight back was just like silent. Nobody's talking, nobody had any words. It was just like, damn, like we really just fucking blew that. Right. And, and yeah, it was it was tough. Being a leader on the team, being mm -hmm. an old guy, being an OG, being a hundred million dollar dude. Mm -hmm. Young dudes gonna look up to you. You're the leader. Yeah. When the, the team's having turmoil, and you said who we're gonna get, we know we're talking about Derek Carr, the quarterback position, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. How do you articulate to the young guys, or what do you say to them when things are going off the rail on that plane ride yeah. back? Like, what, like how, how do you, how do you be that leader and explain what's going on in this league and explain turmoil to a, with being a guy that really don't I would guess like to talk to people. You're not a you're not a yeah. real extrovert like that. When it comes to football, like. I'm not like a shy dude. I'm very like, if I f with you, if I know you, I can, I'll give, I'm 100% myself. But if I'm not like, I don't know you, like I'm not just gonna walk up, hey, how you doing? Like, you know what I mean? That's just not me. But when it comes to football, like those are my brothers. And at the end of the day, like they look, you know, they look at me as a leader. They voted me a captain. They voted me a commitment to excellence. Like they know what I do every day and they know what I want for this team. And so, especially in those moments, like when it's hard as fuck, like, you got to realize, and one of my coaches told me this year, like, everybody's watching you. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, regardless if you like it or not, everyone's looking to me when shit goes bad. Like, all right, Mac, it's time. Like, we need to make a play. We have to get a stop. They're looking to me to be the leader in that. And that's, that's where, you know, as a young player, like, I'm only 25 years old, but it's a different responsibility now. Like, I'm a captain. It's not... You know, I'm not thinking, I can't just emotionally react and fucking lose my shit on the sideline and they're all going to think that shit's okay. So it's like, you got to, you know, put your ego aside and realize that everyone's got eyes on you. And I remember, you know, after that Rams game, we were on the, like on the plane, it's literally silent. Like nobody's talking. And I was disgusted, you know, about, you know, the 15-yard penalty. Just in that moment, I was so mad. And it was one of our new D tackles. We just signed uh, Tillery. I, I love Tillery. He's awesome. 
and he was on the on the plane and he just seemed to look in my face like I didn't I wasn't gonna you know I wasn't mad like I wasn't gonna and snap on or whatever it was over at that point but we just like we were walking through the, the hall grabbing a snack whatever and he just stand there and he looks at me and like he just like got quiet and was like bro I'm so sorry I'm like bro don't apologize to me said at the end of the day I you already know what it is you, you everyone's made a mistake and that's what it was but that's what I feel like being a leader is like I could sit there and snapped on him and went to the media and be like fuck get rid of his ass why do we even bring him in here but at the end of the day, it's in a heated, crazy environment. Obviously, you can't do that. But just the fact that he knew, like, he knew he messed up. Everyone knew he messed up. The whole world was shitting on him. Like, we had that one-on-one -on -one moment where I was like, bro, don't even worry about it. I was like, I'll see you tomorrow. Like, yeah. it is what it is. We got to move past it. We could either cry about it and, you know, just dwell on it or we learn from it. And that's the hardest part is just being patient, especially after you lose so many close games. And then that was, like, the ultimate Little moments like that, I feel like, you know, that's what being a leader is all about. Hey, speaking of everybody having eyes on you, we all got social media. Yeah, of course. We've been seeing you dogging these dudes on the basketball court. <laughs> Yo, we know the Raiders see that too. Josh McDaniels, he called you yet? Like, hey, well, personnel, opposite Darren, we need you to come play tight end. You, you also say it's about the more you can do. You ready for the package? I'm, trust me, I'm, I'm not going to speak on that as far as football, but trust me, I've had my conversations with Josh, but yeah, I always want to be a tight end um, wow. at the end of the day, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely open to that, but yeah, I love basketball, like wow. I love playing basketball, they, Josh, I see Josh and them every day, like I'm in the building early as hell, so I always catch them after breakfast, and mm -hmm. the GM, he called me, he's like, it's like, just be careful. Do your thing. He's like, do you do your thing? I love you running around. I'm like, I know, I know. I played two basketball games. I'm I'm good. So, but yeah, I love I love just the competition and especially this time of the year. Like, I need it. Like, I love you know changing it up a little bit and and hooping. I I, I started playing basketball in first grade. Like, I I thought I was gonna be in the NBA, but I only got you know if I was six nine maybe. But you the best basketball player on the team? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Tay. Tay's probably up there. It's probably me yeah. and Tay. I haven't hooped with Tay, but I've heard Tay's like that. And he yeah. showed me shit. But I think the guys will tell you that too. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying yeah, to boost dope. myself, but hey, can, I've hooped with all of them. He could go though. Yeah, I seen Yeah, he could go. Do you ever get the uh do you ever get the white did you ever get the white boy thing growing up and hooping though? Of course. You know, of course I, mean? I played AAU, I was the only white dude. So yeah. oh, every time you walk on a basketball court, they're like, okay, this is a, he's gonna he's either a shooter <laughs> right. or he's a tryhard. <laughs> I'm like, relax. So I don't even say shit nowadays. Even when I went to that park and I played that, the one video I just posted recently, uh -huh. the kid comes up to me, he's like, can you dunk? I'm like, tie my shoes. <laughs> Fucking first, literally first two minutes, I boomed on somebody's shit and I'm like, okay. Like that's just kind of how it is though, being the white guy, everyone, right. everyone thinks you can't. You can't You're talking about like basketball, that. but football wise. Like when the yeah. white boy walks out, there's offensive tackle and quarterback, yeah. oh yeah. That white guy can play that position. Oh, yeah. You still, it's funny, Caucasian doubt or something. It usually doesn't happen with white skin. It's usually the other way around. <laughs> Have you overcome that now as an all-pro? Do people still look at you as like, man, this white boy, he's a white boy. No, it's real. It, 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 it is real. Like, I feel like, especially coming from Eastern, like, I've always had that label as, oh, he plays hard as hell. He's a tryhard. He's this. And I'm like, I know I'm more than that, but you're always going to get labeled that as a white dude. So, you know, that's just something you got to battle. But, yeah, I feel like I definitely have overcome it. I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, I, when it comes to film and skill and all that and athleticism, like, I'm not just like a, 
you know, I didn't feel like I'm my own own person. So, yeah, you know, I definitely I had to fight that for years, and I still feel like I have to fight it. But yeah, they they, they always give it, it they always give it to you to draft Mel Kiper. And this guy from Eastern Michigan, he's a he's a high motor, high motor, <laughs> blue collar, lunch <laughs> pail. Yeah, I, literally, I'm like, bro. <laughs> My boy Zach Thomas just got in the Hall of Fame. Yep. And that's all they talked about his career. He's leading the league in tackles. Yes. He just works hard. Working hard doesn't make you lead the damn league in tackles and go to seven Pro Bowls. No, right. But that's how they do, y'all, man. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just, just y'all. A part of the struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Said y'all. Y'all. Yeah. That's, that's just real, though. You guys have Chandler, and you put, you're trying to put the pieces together to yeah. take that that step backwards is always difficult. Yeah. And now going into the off season, you know, I had the clip with Derek from Pro Bowl. Where I was yeah. like, hey man, you ever been this hot in Vegas? And he's like, nah, that's probably why I'm gonna be on a new team. You know what yeah. I mean? Which was, I, I could no longer be professional. Let me just say that. <laughs> like after he, uh, after he said that, but looking at to where you guys, where you want to go, where you want to go as a team and where you are right now, what are the pieces you feel like you guys need and have to get going into this season or into this offseason? You know, just starting on the defensive side, you know, I feel like we have room for improvement at every position. Like, we need corners, D, you know, linebackers, D-line. Like, we, from a depth pr uh, perspective, like, we had a lot of one-year guys. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those guys are gone. And I feel like the draft, like, obviously, you got to build through the draft. But on top of it, bring in some, you know, some free agent big dogs. Um, because at the end of the day, like Devontae's going into year ten. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm in my prime right now. They're going into my prime. Josh Jacobs is leading the league in rushing. Like we have a lot of big pieces on our team, and the window is not that long, you know, not that big. It so it's like we got to get the right people in right now. Like there's no time to wait. There's no. We don't want to wait two, three years to be in the playoff contention. Like we were just in the playoffs with less as far as the talent perspective. So yeah, we're just trying to win now and. It's not easy, um, but yeah, I just want dogs around me, especially yeah. on the defensive side. Like, at the end of the day, I want guys who want who love football and are really gonna go out there and compete. Like, you know, I've been on a lot of, you know, struggling defenses, and I hate that shit. I'm not used to that. When I was in college, we were number one defense. We whooped everybody's ass, but we were all on the same page. And you know, we've taken a lot of steps. I feel like even this past season, like the second half of the year, we played much better. Mm -hmm. But you got to think about it. I've been in the league four years. I've had 3D coordinators, I've had 3D line coaches. Like, we need to establish something permanent and just keep growing on what we got and, and build on it. And that's all I want. You know, I want stability. I want to be, you know, I, like you said, I want to be in the best situation. I want to be in the big games. That's all you, you work for. You want to be on an ESPN in, in January and February. You don't want to be sitting at home playing basketball and, you know, in playoff time. It's just not. You know, that's not what I, you know, what I'm looking forward to. But yeah, at the end of the day, the offensive side, the quarterback position's huge. So there's a lot of rumors going around. Shit, I, I don't know, but I want to bring the best, the best we can possibly bring in. So whether that's shit, Rogers or Jimmy G or you know, I, I like Stidham too, who, who came in and played well. So whoever that's gonna be, you know, I trust the front office is gonna, you know, make the best decision. Max, there are big games and there are special games. Yeah. This year, you guys got an opportunity to play in the 50th anniversary game of the Immaculate Reception. Yep. Uh, just days after losing Franco Harris. Mm -hmm. uh, coming up, did you know much about the Immaculate Reception? Of course, especially with the Raiders. 
you know, the Raiders yeah. history. Uh -huh. That shit displayed everywhere. How, that, how special so. of a moment was it that night to be in Pittsburgh, Heinz Field, you know, see the, you know, them honoring Franco, you know, even though he uh, was no longer here with us. How, how was it that night? Yeah, honestly, that was, like you said, the special moment. That shit was different. You know, we're playing Christmas Eve in Pittsburgh. It was freezing, like different type of freezing. Been there, like, brother. Oh, I already know. <laughs> and I haven't played in, like I played in cold. I, I played at Eastern Michigan, it was cold. Like this is a different level of cold. It was freezing. And just the energy in the building, like just knowing I'm cold on the field. Like imagine how the guys feel, like there's people paying thousands of dollars to sit in there and sit in the stands and watch it. So like everyone was there for Franco that night. Right. Rest in peace to him. You know, it's crazy leading up to the game. We're like, oh, Franco Harris is going to be honored. And then boom, right. he passes away. And we're like, what? So it was just, you know, it was bittersweet in a way, but it was it was amazing. You know, that's one of those games I'll, I'll never forget. It was right. a great, you know, great game, super close. And it was just like, you know, snowing, everything like that. It's, you know, what football is all about. So sure. it was a it was a special, special night. I've done a lot in, in that stadium and had a lot of a lot of great moments. So I could just imagine how electric it was. I'm sure they played Renegade oh, yeah. at some point in the second half mm -hmm. uh, and everybody in there goes crazy. But that's the Pittsburgh Steelers legacy. That yeah. is the Oakland Raiders legacy. It's Las Vegas Raiders now. And it's defensively, it's Max Crosby's team. Mm -hmm. uh, your story is going to be written in many ways in many different avenues. You know, there's going to be the story about your about your life and coming through that adversity. But yeah. there's going to have to be a story written about who you are as a football player. And we had the jokes earlier, you know, high motor, all of those things. But when you watch the film, you can see it go speed to power, mm -hmm. right? You can see it. You can see it in the TE games, the agility. You know, you can see the hand movement. Being that you have everything it takes to be one of those guys. You know, I kind of saw when the all-pro teams come out and these different things, you like expressing your feelings that like, I'm one of, I'm supposed to be, I'm, I'm one of those dudes. Yeah. Where do you see yourself right now in this game as compared to your contemporaries that play the position and where do you want to go? You know, I don't like to compare myself to anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like at the end of the day, I'm the best at what I do, you know, regardless of what, you know, anybody says. Um, and I don't just say that, you know, I wouldn't have said that yeah, last year, I wouldn't have said that two years ago. Um, I truly believe I'm the best. The thing is, I'm, I know I'm not the best version of myself. Yeah, I'm in those conversations, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, they talk about me and that, but there's certain guys that they put on, you know, a slightly higher level. And so that's just a challenge for me. Like when they talk about TJ, they talk about Bosa, you know, they people think there's a difference. And for me, it's like, I watch everybody. I watch every single every single rusher. I watch every single game that I play in, every rep, um, and I know I'm right there. Um, but that's the challenge. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I trust in the longevity of what I'm doing. I feel like over time, it might take a little bit more time to people, you know, for people to truly give me that respect. Um, but guys like Aaron Donald are what inspire me. I don't want to be, you know, just one of the best. I want to be the best. I'm Michael Jordan the Kobe's, like those are the people I look up to, the Mike Tysons, I watched a million documentaries on those guys. It doesn't matter what sport it is. The Conor McGregor's when he was in his run, like I've watched a million things on him. Um, I, I like to think of myself in, a, in my own category because at the end of the day, I, I feel like from an overall perspective, nobody's doing, nobody's playing the game the way I'm playing. 
Like nobody, as a DN, I led my team in tackles and I led the league in TFLs. But, you know, certain things carry more weight, you know, from the outside perspective. So for me, it's just another challenge. Like, I know looking back, like if you just look at pure numbers, you know, that's undeniable, you know, the things I did. But, you know, for me, I feel like just over time, it's going to take a little bit more time. And once we start winning more and start bringing more pieces around me, um, I feel like it's only going to help my career and, and, and everything else. So, yeah, I'm trusting the process. I'm going to just continue to work and uh, it's just finding that 1% to improve on uh, no matter what it is. It's my pass rush, my, my you know, run, run defense, you know, my explosion you know, in the weight room. What am I doing? How can I fix, fine tune my, you know, routine? That's what I'm doing right now. So, you know, I started two weeks earlier this year. I sat down with my nutritionist, my strength coach. I'm in the building. You know, in January compared to, you know, I usually start the day after Super Bowl. But we got a little head start doing things the right way. Um, and just, you know, I'm going to just keep going until, until I can anymore. And that's, that's really my goal. You know, I like to, I want to be one of those guys who was an icon of my era. One of the guys who were like, yeah, he wasn't like anybody else. Kobe was one of the best, but people talk about his mentality more than anything. And that's kind of, you know, I feel like I can, I bring something different to the table. I got a great story, but... The way I play, I feel like it's just different, um, you know, and that's what I stand on. You know, like you said, people make fun of me for playing hard. Now people, you know, ask me, like, how the hell are you in that? Like, how are you able to play 1,100 snaps at the end? Right. Nobody's doing that shit. Um, so, yeah, I take it personal. Every single rep means the world to me. So I'm just trying to continue to find, find that little percentage in every way I can to get better. And talking about that greatness, we had uh, Mike Tyson on. Yeah. And I'm going to ask the same question I asked him to you. Uh, why do y'all wear these tiny-ass shorts with your <laughs> damn thighs out? Is it sexy? Are you trying to show you have hamstrings? <laughs> what, you always got these little-ass shorts on, Max. <laughs> I got to know. Um, honestly, you know, I feel like just the, the big-ass and one baggy shorts are out. You know, it's just not a thing anymore. It's kind of gone back to the Larry Bird type of deal. So, you know, I'm a Larry Bird fan, so I feel like you got to show off, you know, your legs a little bit, let them breathe. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of, you know, the way I look at it. Hey, man, a lot of times, bro, we have a, a really serious show. And... <laughs> I had to know. Man, it's too damn it's big to be wearing them shorts. It's a great question. <laughs> yeah, you, great got, you got drawers on? Can you wear drawers? You got to wear a thong so they don't see the draw line. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Max, man, we appreciate you, man, for, for taking the time, uh, for telling your story, but also talking about what this game means to you. It means the same to all of us except for Channing. He didn't work out. Now, this is real talk. He didn't work out. He didn't train. He felt like when he got his life together, it made him a worse player. And so that is, that is what... Y'all yeah. took this football real serious, man. <laughs> I had a job. <laughs> hey, you going to Walgreens, I'm headed to the Dolphin facility. <laughs> I, just, I literally just had a job. Okay. Yeah, but you talking about not playing for money. I, I knew every game, my exact check after taxes I was going to get. And I, I figured I out it. now, Max, in the long run, talking to these guys, talking to the Hall of Fame we have, yeah. it might have been the wrong approach. <laughs> just maybe. <laughs> just maybe. <laughs> my man, we appreciate you, man. You're the true... Uh, definition of what the pivot is, bro. And we're going to root for you all the time. And, you yes, know, sir. I'll shoot you a text every now and then when I uh, see yeah. how it's going. My dog, appreciate you, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, boy. Sir. All in. He's big old dude. Yeah, he's big old dude. I appreciate you, man. Hold up. Limitless. They can send me a cap in it. I thought they here to witness it. 
Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. Uh, on the mission, get me up. Knowing uh, me, I got the key. Uh, only vision I can trust. Trust. Limitless. They can send me confident in it. I find they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. Uh, on the mission, get me up.